0: Ciao beautiful cosmic soul, this is Claire and the Art of Life podcast and this is the secret pregnancy series which I'm releasing secretly or more privately, uh, less connectedly with my usual um, connections over on Wheel and on The Hive under a new podcast called The Sovereign Womb. want to talk in this episode 9 about age and the prejudice against age which in turn becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy of us ageing. In everything that I've unraveled in my 50 years, the things that have aged me, have all been related to the system and to the limitation that the system imposes on top of natural order, which then causes an artificial weight or a cloudiness or a confusion between us and our body, us and the cosmic soul. And... The longer we stay in that system, the longer we stay in the grind and the drive and the striving. the more this state of distortion is it, it becomes further and further outside of natural law. At the same time, natural law is always operating on us and is always the fundamental. Therefore, it's always accessible. That's the point. It's always right there waiting for us. But natural law also dictates that if something is not moving towards life, then it will support it also to do what it obviously wants to do, which is to die. And we can see that in, in every way, from the acidification of the body to the the stooping of the skeleton to the the skeleton coming out of kilter where we're not able to walk or run as smoothly or stretch as smoothly as before. To teeth coming out, to um, organs becoming clogged up and systems in the body dysfunctioning further and further the more we go along. And, of course, the system meaning the mainstream conventional logic in inverted commas with a small L, which is not natural law and not in any way formed to follow through into solution. Um, Conventional logic is almost always based on the model of a trophy. Like the model of a trophy is so deeply ingrained that we actually believe it, and therefore it actually happens in our own body because, <clears throat> because we have this power to manifest. So even if we're manifesting our own demise, we have the power to do that. We really have the power to self-sabotage infinitely, indefinitely, until there's a point, again, where natural order just helps us finish off the job. But yeah, I'm talking about going in the other direction, which is really stepping into the expansion that we're meant to be in and that our life is designed for, the natural expansion that flows out from us and (laughs) connects us with the world in these myriad, tiny relationships that become the art of our life. Um, In the context of that, the, the... The image or the ethos or the or the paradigm or the the beauty of uh, oh, three little blue tits have just landed on the lemon tree outside my window in the bath um, <laughs> outside the bathroom that's extraordinary. I've never seen blue tits on that tree the little little birds that overwinter here. What an amazing totem to see utter joy and beauty and blue and yellow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, in the context of all this, uh, sovereign womb is really one of the most central aspects to life as an expansive force perpetuating itself and expanding further. The womb in all animals but particularly in humans is the epitome of expansiveness it is the sacred vessel it is the container and it's also the aspect of human anatomy in inverted commas that has been most pulled out of itself most turned into something that it's not it's been Terribly, terribly enslaved and embroiled and tortured and trespassed and women have lost their mind that should be in their womb, that should be anchored in their womb and as such have lost their connection to their rootedness in Gaia Sophia, in the planetary consciousness, and they've lost their connection to the infinite consciousness, the cosmic soul, the universal intelligence, God. But of course, they, the term lost is, again, the language confuses what lost really means. It's not lost, lost. It's not like lost forever. It's lost temporarily. It's sleeping. It's clouded. <clears throat> and the thing that's clouded, like the divine reality is never clouded. It's always right there, right inside us, sitting in perfect form, waiting to be seen. But it does need our attention and our activation on it. And in the same way that our... To... To... Not age unconsciously, we need to consciously put our attention into our so-called unconscious, into our so-called shadow self, into our aspects of the body, the organs, the emotions, the, the mind, the memory, the imaginal realm, aspects that have been occulted to us, have been obscured or darkened or clouded or in some way we've disassociated from them. And so much of that for women, you know, I keep saying to women when they're having these dramas in their lives and episodes and and like ongoing illnesses and ongoing neuroses and ongoing mental issues or emotional issues or work issues, it all comes back to the centre. It all comes back to what are you doing with your womb? What's your attitude to your womb? Your womb needs your attention. It needs your whole attention. And that's essentially the core of, to me, how I have not aged in the way folk around me have aged and i've had i've been able to reverse disease and reverse symptoms that would have conventionally been considered something like a conveyor belt that is leading to a more chronic illness that is then is ultimately leading to the loss of my fertility the loss of my mobility the loss of my um gymnastic abilities etc etc um I was really ill when I was young, really ill. For like, it seemed that I I was indefinitely ill for at least a couple of decades of my life, and even into my thirties and late thirties. When I first came to Italy, I was still really um, up and down with my energetic levels and struggling to keep must um, to keep not just my physical stamina, but my mental stamina and my clarity of mind. I I got entangled in lots of different complicated local matters and dynamics and relationships. And my body just felt like it was being kicked from thing to thing and dragged around with me at times. And then I would have these phases of extreme exhaustion, which probably were based around and carrying large bags of cement up and down medieval steps, and so on, and cementing walls, building walls, and fixing things in the house, and and so on. The the strain of having a very large Italian medieval quarter house that needed a lot of attention because it had been abandoned for all these years, sixteen years, um, and. And then followed the phase of, once the house was more together, I could actually enjoy being in it. And similarly, once my body was in, recognised where it was, that it was near nature, getting fresh air, clean water, in a safe house that I'd never owned my own home before. I was in this safe home that I'd manifested by following dreams and signs. And then my health started to take a completely different journey. I, I recognised my, what at the time I called hypersensitivities. I recognised that I had a living sentience that was acutely aware of everything that was going on around me. And as such, I should avoid crowds and busyness and loud noises and um, chaotic uh, socialising um, I also recognised that a lot of the friendships that I had around me were very superficial and when I really needed to lean in there wasn't anybody catching me and that was a really big recognition that one of the reasons I was losing a lot of energy was I was doing everything myself and I was asking for help and wasn't getting it and then from there I was resentfully doing it myself Um, in the long run it It really came back to, especially in the context of the health of my womb and taking care of um, my fertility cycle, it really was very important for me to to recognise that I both need other people but don't need them. I'm both all-powerful and able to connect with other people. I'm very strong physically, and some things are easier for me to do with someone else doing it, and they're less likely to damage my body. And so on. you know, just like these perfect little equations of setting the setting the relationships right. And And yeah, of course, moving from striving and straining to sell things and provide products and services to people. And having people in my home, the transition from that during lockdown and having to subsist on nothing and having my business destroyed by the the nonsense, Um, the beautiful transition into living fully in gift where there there was no transacting and then I was able to adapt to that. That was really the thing that started for me personally, privately rather, not personally, Um, privately, for me privately, to recognize that I absolutely need, I absolutely need to live in gift. Like I cannot live in transaction because of what it's feeding into, but I can take money through gift and use it in a really profound way to change the nature of money. So that's a whole other thing, but that has a lot to do with, with aging. It really has a lot to do with how I was able to connect into the core of myself and into my womb and return to my fertility after this, that and the next challenge and really stand in the truth of the body which is that the body it's not that it doesn't age but it doesn't age certainly in the way that we're conventionally encouraged to think and therefore make it do so (laughs) And that's just so key. It's such a, it's such a, oh, the mind trips over itself, and catches itself. Like this is one of the aspects of the of the mind that the society and the economy, the economic slavery feeds off. It feeds off the fact that the mind gets caught in its own feet, gets tangled in itself, and then starts to spiral. So, like for example, the the neuroses around a symptom instead of seeing the symptom, witnessing it neutrally, as it were, or at least not with any sort of hysteria behind it, and letting it fully express itself, holding space for it, not just holding space neutrally, uh, sorry, passively, but holding space for it dynamically, knowing that that is a beautiful symptom that my body is producing because. The body wants something to come from the core of me, from either my mind or my heart or my deeper organs or my womb, it wants to come from the center of me and move outwards. And that is spirit in lifefulness, spirit in movement. And in, in order to exit, it has to actually make physical movement or sweat or bleed or throw up or poo or pee, like it, or create something on the skin or cough, you know, cough it up and um, has to work its way out through fluids or through activity or through a very expressive thought process, a dynamic expression of thought and feeling like through art. Art is one of the most incredible ways of getting purely into whatever needs to come out and getting it out, like getting it directly out. It's such an efficient way of doing that. Um, But the conventional model is to look at a symptom and immediately like jump on it, immediately like start jumping on it and stamping on it like there's a spider in the house and you just want to kill it. You know, you're not thinking about its place in the bigger scheme of things. You're not thinking about how necessary and magical it is and what it represents metaphorically. How its sacred geometry impacts in your life and helps you instead just like destroy, destroy and therefore like breaking a whole series of minute and essential actions that should have come from that spider being in your house. That could have come from your consciousness being on the spider and holding it lifefully. Um, That could have come from you picking the spider up and putting it outside. Um, The stamping on (laughs) spiders is a really similar metaphor to stamping on uh, symptoms. The idea that the symptom is a bad, dirty, scary thing and it needs to be or that it could be eradicated, yeah, you can just stamp on a spider, but then you're probably going to have more pesky insects in the house, um, including flies and such like that might have been caught in the spider web, including other little minuscule parasitic type things that would have been eaten up by a spider. The spider's like the wolf in the environment, you know, the ecology depends on this one creature that performs a very mystical duty in the big scheme of things including in our homes, and our health. Um, and the knock-on effects of having a spider in the house are are very positive in respect to the knock-on effects of not having a spider. And that's similar to the effect, the, the, the metaphor of spider getting stomped on or a spider representing symptom. You know, I'm just trying to create this really simple view of, like, how our we've been conditioned to have all this underlying aggression towards nature and all this underlying aggression towards our own nature which is it's the vitality of the body that expresses it's the vitality of the body that causes a symptom and the, the nearer it is to the surface the more welcome it should be you know if it's on our skin it should be most most welcome if it's being sweated out, it should be really welcome if we're having a fever, if we are got mucus or flu-like symptoms, we should be so freaking grateful and thankful to the universe and to Gaia Sophia and to God for giving us that means of getting something from the inside out, of detoxifying our body. Um, There's all sorts of things around that that I could continue to talk about, but I'm trying to keep it on track here about Aging and the the women particular, but just as a side note, the the detoxification proce- process because of how we treat it, because of how we jump on symptoms or use medical medication to suppress symptoms, which to us we we're in this fab fable world, like this made up world that. Oh, we're getting rid of our symptoms, we're getting rid of our flu, we're becoming immune to our flu by taking this magic medicine, this magic syringe. You're not, you're pushing the symptoms either to the side or down. So they're either going to pop up somewhere else or they're going to be pushed down. And really, that's the inoculation thing, the um, preempting an illness and putting a medicine into the body that preempts it you're not preempting anything the only preempting that is useful is keeping the vitality of the, the holistic vitality of the body alive and well and vital and keeping your vital force up and harvesting your energy rather than spending it just spending it that's the only thing that's going to preempt illness meditating on the body will preempt illness but any artificial injection, or pill, or liquid, or phleb, or... Yeah, there are contraries to this rule, but in general, the way we're jumping on really, really um, essential aspects of the body and saying that they're wrong and that they need to be destroyed you know, it really has a massive knock-on effect on our vitality because it's us telling ourselves you have no value and you don't function correctly. But ironically, the action that we're taking is making the body not function correctly. And that's just like putting that on, putting that model, as it were, that behaviour into pregnancy is just the most phenomenally offensive to life behavior that you can possibly perpetuate in this in a in a lifetime. It's the most offensive thing against not just life of a human being, but against the vessel that is meant to be creating life itself. The vessel that is the epitome of life creating life, life expanding life. So um in my own gestation, and I'm now in the fifth month of my gestation, I am really finding this settling energy, like I was talking in episode eight about, really finding this beautiful, oh, oh, like just settling into the body. It's prepared, it's done mostly what it needs to do, and now it just needs to grow the baby. The the changes in I sense the the changes, like the the moving in has been done, and now it's just a matter of, you know, tweaking and putting things in cupboards and stuff. But mostly everything that I need, the boxes are in the house, and um, I'm ready to ready to unpack. Um, and as such, um, you know, I had a really clear period of the first three months. <coughs> Excuse me a really clear sense of preparatory energy um, and also preparatory kind of chaos, like all kinds of little funny symptoms coming up here and there that if I'd been in the conventional system it would be like whack-a-mole. <laughs> but they, you know, they'd be there with a hammer hitting each thing and then it would pop up somewhere else. But one of the things I love about my own mind, body, spirit is that it, it creates really unusual symptoms all the time. So rather than having the same kind of issue all the time, it'll something will pop up, like I had a thing pop up in my skin in the last, uh, well, some months ago. And that was the first time I'd had a skin thing and it was literally big red welts everywhere and I was really like oh wow (laughs) that's kind of worrying but also it's not worrying because it's the body expressing itself but I've never seen that before and it looks quite extreme you know it's the kind of thing that conventional reality would be saying insect bites or profound allergy to something or the body in crisis like having a having a panic uh the nervous system panicking or the skin, the epidermis, having a wee freak out. And um, the way I can navigate symptoms like that and, and during my pregnancy, symptoms like pain in my ovary, tingling in my womb, tingling in my lower belly, um. Stomach turning somersaults, etc. etc. The way I can navigate that is because I don't have a separated body and mind, I don't have a separated mind, body, spirit. The vital force flows through my feelings, through my body, through my mind <clears throat> in symbiosis, which again, you know, it's very hard to explain this to somebody who's saying but you need to go and do this just in case this happens or you shouldn't allow a symptom to catch hold and like get really worse. Um, I know for a fact that even if if a pain or a sensation is releasing itself from deep, deep, deep inside, from the deepest place in my body, the deep inner organs like the womb, like the ovaries, Like the liver, like the kidneys, the heart. If the body is releasing a sensation from there or a pain, then that is a really positive thing that I can work my consciousness with. And because I can feel thoughts coming up, you know, there there are always connected thoughts that come up with, especially from the deeper stuff. The deeper organs work in tandem but of course not in tandem, in symbiosis and yin-yang with the subconscious. And then the more near the surface organs and processes work more with the front lobe conscious. And because our poor body has been chopped up and divided into maps and operations and protocols and fuckwittery, frankly... It takes a while to allow those things to set down into their natural order, their natural sacred geometry, which is a holistic, inseparable whole, which this moves fluidly up into that, and then that moves fluidly down into that. Um, My memories inform me in my front lobe conscious. A memory will pop up, and again, I won't be hitting it down or ignoring it i'll be consciously working with it almost like feng shui um tai chi like like just sort of capoeira like i'll be sort of working with it and even maybe moving my body or uh, waving my hands across my body i suppose maybe you know people who do things like reiki and whatever whatever these things you know i'm just naming these things because They're things like that, but they're all of that together. They're all of that in one movement, in one body, in one unique pattern that needs to be made in that moment in order for the energy to be released from the ovaries, from the energy to be released from my heart. I usually get a clue in my mind about, you know, a memory of when my heart was hurt, uh, a memory of when my heart was tightened and closed and became rigid or numb, I'll, and because I have that memory, the memory is a gift. The memory is not something to be shoved away or, or rejected or hidden or rehidden. It's such a gift to let an old memory come up and even to cry about it, that like, ooh, out it comes. You know, it comes into tears. The tears go down into the earth. They go into the bath. They go into whatever, into a hanky and back into the water system. The movement, you know, if there's any emotion that's coming up that's related to, you know, like, I don't know, shame from the sexual organs, from deep, deep, deep impacted in the sexual organs, which again are not sexual or organs, they're just, they're not even that area of our body, they're a a symbiotic part of the whole that can't be separated from it. me and again the language of that is so freaking important because the fact that i sit and think and discuss in my brain with my front lobe conscious which is if it's completely detached from my body mind deeper mind holistic mind and from my emotions if my mind is separatedly dictating a logic again this separated logic this compartmentalized logic then there's going to be a a real issue of, like, the ovaries are going to react. The ovaries are going to be, like, fucking listen to me. This is your life. This is your fertility. This is the real world. Listen to me. This is the sacred feminine embodied in flesh. Fucking listen to me. And, of course, because of the whole free will thing, That natural law of that voice of my ovary or my womb or my heart or my whatever, it won't have a voice if I'm not listening to the voice. It will eventually just become a screaming pain, which is the physical manifestation of something that before was making a voice and saying something to me. It didn't necessarily seem to need to be in words. It might have just been a sensation, but like... the degradation which is seen as a false image of natural law, of ageing, of degradation, of atrophying and of the body failing. We're pretty much told that the body's already fallible from the beginning, right from birth or before birth. And then we're told all the way along, jib-jab, 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 medicine in the mouth, wrapping the body up and things dictating to it, making it sit down and shut up and taking the wildness out of it. We're told through every aspect of our culture that the body is failing all the time, that it's ageing, this this idea of ageing. And really the idea of ageing is a completely false map that is put on that we're following the map even though it doesn't relate in any way to the territory or to natural law. We're just blindly following the map because... It's out there, there's lots of copies of it and it's really comfortable to just sit and chat with other people about the map and share the map with other people and point at the map and say, oh, look at how that goes there and oh, isn't it terrible and how awful and I am going to die very soon because I'm not taking care of my body. You know, it's just absolute psychosis. The average person is completely psychotic around the relationship with their own health. And that's what causes ageing. The interruption of the detoxification process, the interruption of the artistic expression, the interruption of the throat, and the censoring of wild expression, the censoring of even clear thinking, joined-up thinking, the um, pathologizing of joined-up thinking, the pathologizing of emotional thinking or expression like the different ways in which there's just this armor built around folks so we really have to like unscrew the armor and like get out of from underneath that it's not difficult to get out from underneath it but we really have to recognize like what is real what's the real world what's natural law what's actually there in front of us and how is the body really functioning (coughs) And what has been imposed on us that causes us to then take actions that cause us to separate further from the body and further from our own health. Um, In my own experience of being pregnant, which is not just these four four plus months, but many, 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 like a lot of women, multiple, multiple, multiple pregnancies and conceptions and cycles of beginning and then finishing. Um, I've had a lot of experience of being pregnant, but this is the only time I've been this fully pregnant. And as such, um, it's a completely different world and um, I'm able to channel because i've had a lot of practice and i've also had a lot of practice in unraveling my own psychosis around health my own neuroses around health and my own fears around health and i don't operate from fear i'm very conscious of the fear tension pain spiraling downwards dynamic and i don't participate in that that's not my way i participate in the way of life and in the way of pleasure and in the way of expansion which is courageous, expansive inquiry and pushing at the edges of life gently just where they want to expand and opening like a flower and all that good stuff. (laughs) And, yeah, in this experience of these, you know, coming into the fifth month now of... My pregnancy. It's such a fascinating unravelling of, you know, no matter how much work I've done on my body and mind and spirit, and how clear I am on how the body actually works rather than how culture and the pharmaceutical agenda tell you it works. Even then, in the state of being pregnant, having something so deep and such a dynamic process. Of expansiveness and the power and the responsibility of child growing it instantly brings up a whole like the whole plethora biodiverse rainbow of of shit literally rainbow of shit coming because it's an expansive force from the very core of the being from the ovaries From the egg, from the womb, from the sperm, the mixing of the two, the weaving of the two ancestral trails, the release of trauma and the clearing of the old stuff out of the womb, like literally like clearing out an old house before you move into it and renovate it. And then the renovating of the house and the bringing of our stuff into it, which is this life that we are building together, me and the child. the process of of that expansiveness and that process of cleaning and letting go of old stuff, letting go of any inhibitions, any neuroses, and any deeper, like really deeper psychology or psychosis or physiological pathology. The beauty of the power of pregnancy is that pregnancy can bring that all up to the surface if we are willing, if we are surrendering to it, and allowing it and that in turn sort of cures the problem of, of aging you know if I wasn't pregnant right now I might not be able I might not have been able to reach these depths of release I might not have been able to because you know I can't put my finger up into my ovaries I can't pull an egg out or set off the chemical and biological new planet forming dynamics you know i can't do that yet i can i'm doing it now but i, can, I couldn't do it before i was pregnant um <clears throat> but the power that comes with it the the upwards flow and the downwards flow simultaneously that expand the being into much bigger more dynamic relationship with spirit and with the sacred geometry of of the body mind spirit <clears throat> as microcosm in the macrocosm is is obviously phenomenal. And I know that in in the contemporary culture of rebirth and of um, women birthing naturally at home, sometimes on their own, um, sometimes just with their partner or just with one trusted woman womb, one womb keeper. Um, or keeper of her own womb, not keeper of someone else's womb. I hope, but you know, someone as a guardian. Um, there's so many different layers of how the thing is unraveling, but a lot of the monetization of teaching around it is very not just suspect; it's just a real distraction of what it is we can actually, you know, the cosmic waves that we can actually ride on right now, because there is a collective conscious shift in relation to our health and in relation to our right and our inalienable right and rights, there is, because there already is that momentum in the collective conscious and there is that momentum in the feminine conscious and in the feminine free birth conscious or natural birth conscious or just birthing full stop, conscious. It really doesn't need these extra words on it. Even the word birth probably needs a different word. And um, there's an awful, like the, the problem with gathering a lot of people together when they're all learning together and everyone's learning as much as each other. There's something about really creating a vessel for oneself, uh, a queendom for oneself, a palace or a sacred house. Um, there's something about being in isolation that's very, very important, that we can be more connected when we are in isolation and we can fully engage in this process, fully surrender into what is coming up and out. Because even if, like myself, we've done five decades of work on our body and on healing, literally five decades, unfolding this spirit incarnate, what happens in pregnancy is just a whole other level that, that we're not just unfolding what we've packed into our wombs and what we've held in our heart and our kidneys and all the rest of it. We're unpacking for the collective because this is the time that the collective is unfolding. So it's not just us realigning in sacred geometry and, and clearing out all this old shit in mind, body and spirit, but we're also clearing out the shit of like the clutter of the language, the clutter of the collectively held belief, the even the clutter of the hysterical crowd, the pitchforks and brands and torches aflame. We're even clearing out the clutter of that. You know, we're like herding those folk away from the door. Like, thank you so much. Well done. Go and use that constructively. Go and light a fire and have a nice bonfire. Warm your house. Go and put the pitchfork back in the shed. That's it. That Away that you go. Go and do some gardening. Go and dig up some potatoes. You know, go and put the brand down full stop. It's not necessarily for anything. You don't need any branding to be done um, on any level, not on an animal or anything else. Away you go, tie a ribbon to your cow's tail to identify it. The the clearing out, we really are clearing out the collective um, and this is again one of the reasons why this is such a secret pregnancy because as I've talked about in previous podcasts in this series, the typical conversation that one has as a woman with other folk in the world. The the average conversation is not about orgasmic birth. It's meeting with a terrified, pathologized and weaponized other human being who wishes you to also be agreeing with them. So for you to also be pathologized and weaponized. And for you to collectively join in attacking life and attacking the feminine. And it's, it's quite hard to have conversations with siblings, parents, close friends who are instantly into the, um, oh, but it's much easier for women just to have their bellies cut open and have the babies pulled out. as a one with an actual womb I don't want to have a conversation about my belly being cut open just like I'm sure if I turned that around and said it to them would you consider that an easy way for you to do a poo is like cutting your belly open and squeezing your intestines out is that and then sewing you up afterwards is that the best way you can would that be nice for you is that an A nice thing for you to think about as you're preparing your body to go to the toilet. Does that help you relax and do a poo? You know, that these, the connection through the vagus nerve of the mind and the the pelvis and the womb, the vagina, the cervix, it's a very, very um, interfered with integrated system. And as such, we really have to have our wits about us as healthy women in how to protect that, how to keep that sacred, how to know that it is sacred work and how to not have it blemished or intruded upon. Again, it's not... I've really struggled with this. I felt like I have to be really... You know, I have to have a really big wall there. I have to be, like, really secret and not tell anyone. And I have to be really... um, get really ballsy and like ready to defend myself and have some phrases ready to like don't mess with me and um, you know I even had a really strong confrontation with my partner a couple of days ago about like just I don't want to hear this you cannot give me this shit you you need to listen you know (laughs) you need to listen to about the nice relaxed way that it can unfold But the beauty of that is, like, wherever I'm feeling myself getting controversial or getting into a a tussle with somebody, that's the beauty. The beauty is, that's a symptom. It's beautiful. It means that I have a sensitivity there. What can I ask myself, you know? If I'm feeling really defensive, what's it really saying about me? What's it saying about myself? It's saying that I'm afraid of trespass. But if I'm in my divine work, in a divine body, and I am divinity, personified, or rather incarnate, how can that be trespassed? It can't. Natural law cannot be trespassed. We can only, through our wills and our minds being fiddled with and separated from us or tricked out of our will, we can get pulled in another direction, like the kind of discussions that are often going on in social media. Which I'm just dipping my toe back into mainstream social media. Oh God, what a, uh, yeah, what a lot of chaos that is. But even that has evolved a lot in the years that I've been out of it. It's very interesting to see how censorship has been calmed. People are being a lot more loving because people are creating spaces that are loving. And therefore, that just naturally repels people who want to come in and cause aggro or snipe or troll like that just isn't there anymore and if there is somebody doing that like intruding or trespassing it's just weeded out very very quickly like it just doesn't get a chance it's nipped in the bud it doesn't get a chance to take hold and if anything women would laugh at it or the powerful women would laugh at it but again this whole um like when a neurosis comes up in my head, like, oh no, I don't want my partner's mother to notice that I'm my belly yet. Oh, I need to make sure when I go out or if someone comes to the door unexpectedly, I need to make sure I've got a big jumper on that covers the belly. Um, You know, I really have to be aware of what I'm actually doing with that. You know, am I stooping? Am I going, leaning into the neurosis or am I just... Being in my power, standing up fully straight and just putting a veil over it, a big jumper over it, over my bump, so that I don't have to have this conversation yet. You know, am I really terrified of having the conversation? Am I dreading somebody saying something that's going to cut to my core and actually cause me physiological harm? Is it something that's going to make me cramp? Is it something that's going to sit with me until I actually give birth and then during the birth is it still going to be sitting there, that so I'm really aware like in every interaction that I'm having and this is so much to do with ageing as well, like if I was doing this in a time of not gestating you know, what am I picking up from other people that is ultimately a a limitation am I moaning about the weather with them am I moaning about aches and pains with them am I agreeing with them that I'm starting menopause or that I've got a hormonal headache or, you know, I have to be really, really careful. And I've been very careful for a long time about how other folks' smallness can pull me into their smallness and make me contract, pull me away from my health and away from having free vitality flowing through me. Um... Yeah, there's so much more to say about this, but I think that that's quite a nice point to sort of round up in. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot more in pregnancy around age that I am just not going to attach a fleb to me for. Uh, what do you call it? A, a, a little plastic pocket with a tube that you put inside your arm into your vein, you know, like to give you whatever the hospital thinks that you need. Um, You know, there are these packs or rafts or big fucking libraries of information in certain areas about health, about the kinds of problems that older women have when they birth and so on. And yeah, I just want to finish this by saying that women can birth at any age, any age. And I probably should do a separate podcast for this around how menopause is a construct. <clears throat> it's even the clue in the name: menopause, pausa, like a pause, a break. It's not an end. It's not saying it's the end. It's not saying it's a full stop. It's a pause. <laughs> and <clears throat> um, yeah, we can. Our 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 menstrual cycle will only ever express exactly what's going on in our body. It'll only ever say, like, this is what's happening. This is the truth. And it's up to us how we read that. If we're reading it in a detached, pathologizing, diminishing the feminine way and saying, oh, look, it's failing, it's wrong, or it's diminishing, it's petering out, that's a construct that we're putting on it and it's a limitation that we're putting on it and that's that's fine if you're choosing that with all your will and informed consent that is fine you can choose that and you just go merrily on your way into menopause and don't be, pre- and you don't want to be pregnant duh, 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 duh. if it's convenient to not have your blood power to disconnect from the womb and not connect with the womb anymore or to do whatever it is that you're doing or that people do around menopause, that's fine. But menopause is being used as a weapon on young women to say that they are losing their fertility. And it's being used even, not menopause itself, but younger than that, like women from the age of what fucking whatever age you are. There's women in their 20s who are panicking about not having a baby yet, panicking that they haven't found the right partner. There's women in their 30s who are panicking even more. There's women who, in their 40s, who are depressed and believe that they can't have children and therefore don't have children. There's women in their late 40s who are grieving for wanting to be a mother and being ready to be a mother. And there's women older than that who are absolutely convinced that they are sterile. And again, like, I mean, I, I can take this part so much more, but I just, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to start saying like, oh, I am the, you know, I'm not some, um, what's it called? Like the, not the norm, like the, the anomaly. I'm not the anomaly. I'm simply a healthy woman. That's all. And to get healthy, I've done, like I've spoken about in this podcast, I've done all these various things that have made me healthy, but I didn't used to be healthy. I used to be extremely debilitated and unwell and dysfunctional. I couldn't function in life. And I've moved out of that and moved into lifefulness. At the age of 50, I am pregnant, and I am very, very healthy and well, and things are progressing beautifully. Um, so that's that. Um, Yeah, just there's so much um, shame and cursing put on women under the guise of like, oh no, but I'm just trying to be helpful. But really, it is cursing, cursing women, putting malediciones on them, um, putting bad dream spells on them that are really trying to, the curse being the essence of the curse being something that's getting into the core of you, like into your womb, into your ovaries, and disrupting it. And collectively we do that all the time. Like collectively we put the fear, put the willies up the women. As soon as we see that they're pregnant, we're like intruding on them, trespassing on them, demanding to know, wanting to know why they're not um, registered or or why they're they're going to do something dangerous like give birth naturally. That's dangerous. You're going to endanger your baby. You're going to kill your baby. You know, if we're not giving our baby jib jabs and medicine and constantly fretting about them and stopping them touching natural things and stopping them falling and hurting themselves stopping them touching a flame even on a candle like oh my god they're going to completely set fire to themselves no they're not they're going to touch the heat then they're going to understand that it's hot and then they're going to be like the next time they don't need to do it again otherwise you raise a stupid baby and they're like oh I'll just go and sit on a candle and maybe they will set fire to themselves anyway anyway The point being, there's no limitation. The only limitation is our own imagination and our own willingness to keep unlearning and to keep undoing the actions that we're doing to ourselves, the thought process that processes that we're allowing to unfold in ourselves instead of letting them just pop up and out and express themselves we're latching onto them and holding them down like grounding them and tying the rope to them and keeping them there and going over them again and again you know if there's something that's happening within us where something's going round and round and round again and again and again then express it speak it out dance it out sing it out play it out whatever paint it whatever Jog on, (laughs) jog out there, get it out. Um, Yeah, just that. I'm going to speak more in the next podcast. I wish you love and goodness and wellness. Um, Please do pass this podcast on if you know somebody who would really benefit from it. You know, if there's somebody who's in fear about their age um and I will expand more in the next podcasts about this because it is my age is sort of not relevant to me just now because I'm not I'm operating secretly um but I know that as soon as I'm visible it's going to come up very strongly and I'm going to have to do a lot of work within my local community maybe even with my family maybe with a wider network of folk and with the public and a wider public through maybe through social media I, I might have to contend with a, a lot of bullshit and it probably, you know, the the, the collective conscious is, is changing all the time, even though it's very staid and very stuck in its way. But it's very malleable right now, so it's really interesting what will happen, you know, how these conversations will progress as I carry on being a woman who's 50-plus and <laughs> having a baby. So, um yeah, I just, I love this. I love you and... I love this life and what we're all doing together what what we're co-creating it really is a mystical time again if you want to follow me you can find this podcast you might have found it here on Funk Whale and it's The Sovereign Womb and you might find it on uh, The Hive if you look up The Sovereign Womb and I'm posting that through Oriole dot one podcast platform, decentralized podcast platform. Again, both of these podcast platforms are decentralized and for very good reason. I'm sharing this information there because I know that this goes against, although it would be quite hard for folk to like pin me down with, you know, using forbidden keywords. There's probably one or two in there that they're going to be like, Oh, you know, and it'll just get blanked from the <laughs> blank from the mainstream. So if you do want to listen, go along on Funkrail or the Hive blog or Auriel, A U R, E A L dot one o n e, and you'll find me there. Look at m- my website, Claire Gaia Sophia, and um, I'm on Patreon as well as Claire Gaia Sophia, and I'm on Instagram, both as Claire Gaia Sophia and also as the the Sovereign Womb. But those two things are are separated. I'm keeping this in private still just now, so please don't connect with both. Just connect with one or the other. Um, whatever. It'll eventually the two will become one, but it, it's um or the one will become two. But <laughs> I'm still at the stage of keeping this just you know keeping it privately until, um, just until things have progressed a bit more and until. I get my confidence up it was a huge thing to put this out yesterday to put the first podcast out yesterday um which is about I don't know a couple of months since I first recorded it I think I started recording around my zygote anniversary of 50 years in December and around the solstice then and then I've been this is the yeah number nine Okay, so I release this into the world and um, thank you for witness and all power to us all in our expansion, eh? Many, many blessings. Love.